This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on the Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about the first win of the season for the football team and a sad day in Syracuse sports. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman. And our guest today is Sean Keeley from NoonsMagician.com. Sean, always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me. Sean, I, I want to talk about uh, one of the articles that uh, just came out today. You know, it was your defense of Drew Allen. You know, Drew Allen had that interview, visibly frustrated, not happy with the situation. And I, I thought you did a really nice job of kind of pointing out in his defense. Can you just talk about that article for a bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I watched this video of, of his uh, kind of press conference yesterday. And if you watch it, you can see this is a guy who is clearly frustrated and kind of angry with where the situation is, where he is now basically the backup. Um, and all signs point to Terrell Hunt keeping that first that starting job moving forward and basically kind of crushing what I'm sure was Drew Allen's idea of what this season was going to be. This was going to be his springboard and, you know, his chance to shine. And it just hasn't worked out that way. And, um, you know, I, I watched it and I, I just – started thinking to myself, you know, there's probably going to be some people who think that it's sour grapes or that he's not being, you know, that he that he's being delusional or something like that. But, you know, I just that the it was just one of those things where I'm like, I know that feeling. I know that feeling of where you you've you've done, you know, something went wrong at your job and now everybody knows it and hmm. now you kind of have to move forward around that. And um, and I'm sure it's frustrating and he has to do it on a public stage. And uh, and so I kind of empathize, empathize with him, and um, you know I, I just kind of feel like uh, hopefully Syracuse fans don't really uh, you know kind of take it out on him, you know, because certainly he's going out there and trying his best. It's just not working out the way I, I think any of us hoped it would. And I thought your point too. You just kind of addressed point one, and point two is that you know Terrell Hunt did it against a, basically a JV team in Wagner. You know they're in the, the subdivision. And then Drew Allen had to go out and compete against Northwestern, who's ranked in a very good Penn State team. They lost over the weekend, but, you know, they have a great quarterback and a, a staunch defense. And it seems kind of unfair that, you know, you're, you're comparing Drew Allen's performances in those two games, and this is what you said, and in, in compared that to Hunt's performance against Wagner. Yeah, I mean, and even Terrell Hunt, you know, when he came in against Northwestern, he was playing against their third-string guys. Right, exactly. So, um, so yeah, for for all the good that Terrell Hunt's done so far, let let's be clear that he he hasn't exactly done it against uh, world class talent. So um, yeah, I mean I'm sure from Drew Allen's perspective, he's like I got thrown to the wolves, and uh, and now this other guy comes in and plays you know a, an FCS team and, and does well, and all of a sudden everybody loves him and, and doesn't like me. So I'm sure that that's a huge frustration for him. Um, and, and, you know, 
as much as I think we're excited about what Terrell Hunt brings to the table, I, I do think Syracuse fans need to keep a lot of perspective, at least until we get to the Clemson game. Because <laughs> we'll, we'll find out exactly what kind of quarterback he is right now after that game. And it's, it's a perfect segue into my next topic for you, which is, you know, John Casillo writes a great article researching all the way back to the Joe Fields era, the first start for Syracuse quarterbacks. And I think maybe with the exception of Ryan Nassib, I think all of them had losses. So, you know, I think we need to keep cool about Hunt for the time being because there is a, a lot of football to be played, and he hasn't even played a, a Division One team, a first-team defense yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Tulane will certainly be a step up from Wagner this weekend, but um, even then I, I don't know if you can say truly that that's anything compared to what he's going to face a couple weeks down the road in, in Clemson, assuming he's still the starter, which I, I think we kind of have to, barring some, you know, injury or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's perspective's a tough thing to come by, especially as a Syracuse <laughs> football fan. Um, you know, we so many people have spent the last month clamoring for Terrell Hunt, and then if Terrell Hunt goes out and has a bad game against Clemson, uh, I guarantee you we're going to see comments like, why not give Mitch Kimball a shot? So, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's just one of those things you got to keep a level head about it. And, and yeah, remember, Terrell Hunt, this is his first start. Uh, the Clemson game will be, you know, the fourth game he's ever played in. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, sometimes you kind of just have to take it as it goes and, and just not assume just because one guy's struggling against an elite team, that doesn't necessarily mean somebody else is, is going to come in and throw for eight touchdowns. Now, last season you had the quest for beef, and, uh, you know, Syracuse ultimately ended up going to a bowl, and now this season it's the quest for Belk. Uh, do you do you see that meter heating up to the point? You know, I'm basically asking you to make a prediction on the season based on what you've seen so far. But do you see it being a a, a thing that's going to go throughout the whole season? Or are we going to start seeing the is it basketball se- uh, season tweets now? I think we're going to see something very similar to last year, or at least it's going to set up that way. Where yeah. I, you know, I expect the team to come out two and two out of these first four games, mm-hmm. which I, I think, if we're all honest, is what we probably all expected to happen anyway yep. um, and now that after that when they get into ACC play it's, it's a little tough for a couple weeks we've got some, some tough games and then the last five games um, one of them is Florida State which is certainly going to be a really tough game but other than that um, I might be wrong but it's I think it's Maryland, Boston College Pittsburgh and Wake Forest yep. and all four of those right now feel like they are winnable not that I'm saying we will win, but I'm, they, they all feel winnable. And so, you know, win those four games, you're 6-6. Six and six. But, of course, you know, before that, you know, we could be looking at a team that's 3-6 and six and then going into, you know, or, or you know, something along those, close along those lines. So it could be the kind of thing where a lot of people kind of give up on this team. And then at the end, as the schedule eases up and they've got more experience, they start to put it together and, you know, kind of challenge for that six and six bowl spot. So that's what I'm hoping for, and that that's kind of what I think is the realistic hope at this moment. Yeah, I think that's the general consensus is that if Scott Schaefer can get to a six and six record in his first year, uh, that would be considered a, a pretty good year. And the, the the last article I wanted to talk to you about, uh, you know, funny but also 
I'm hoping that it's true, is that the Syracuse freshmen were in great numbers against Wagner. You know, they turned out, they, they beat up the sophomores in terms of attendance. And I know that it was free, but I'm hoping, and I know you are too, that this kind of starts this groundswell of student enthusiasm where we start to get more students for football games. And it seems like it's kind of going to start to snowball if the team starts to play better. Yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to attendance and stuff like that, it's, it's always a very simple equation. People like to make it out to be this more intricate thing that it is, and it's just winning. <laughs> That's all it is. It's when you win, people show up, and yeah. when you lose, people don't show up, yeah. and it's that simple. And so it's kind of this combination of I, I hope the students stay excited, uh, try to make their own traditions, their own, you know, I think that's great when students come in and start their own cheers and start their own, you know, come in with costumes and signs and all that stuff. Uh, and then if the team wins and, and gives people a reason to be excited, you know, that's going to catapult it to the next level, which is more, you know, other students who don't have season tickets start coming and uh, fans who don't have season tickets start to buy game tickets. And, you know, it just kind of builds from there, but we just got to win football games. Well, Sean, I'll get you out of here on this last question. Um, the blue uniforms, blue jerseys on blue pants, were you okay with that? I was fine with it. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was cool. Uh, I, I still say I don't understand. I, I, well, I say I don't understand why we don't have an orange jersey, but I'm willing to bet that the Clemson game, we're going to see the team wearing those blue pants again, but with an orange jersey. So that's what I'm looking for. All right, you heard it here first from Sean Keeley. <laughs> uh, Sean, always a pleasure to have you on. Nice to talk to you as always. Noonsmagician.com for all your Syracuse needs. Sean, we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Thanks, Sean. Bye. Again, Sean Keeley, always enjoy reading his stuff, friend of the show, and happy to have him on again. Uh, now I'm joined over the phone by editor-in-chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, what's going on? Hi, Wes. How are you? Good. Uh, you know, I think we want to we'll, we'll get to football in a little bit, but I kind of want to start on a melancholy note. Um, you know, Rob Edson, we got to know him very well over the years, former Syracuse administrator and was um, at Onondaga Community College. And he passed away over the weekend on Saturday at the very young age of 45. And I know that you got to know him very well. You wrote a great Orange Watch column on him yesterday. And it's just a devastating loss for the community. A lot of uh, tears being shed in Syracuse this week, including uh, today and then tomorrow at Hendricks Chapel on campus for memorial service. And the Essens, both Rob and his wife Sue, the director of athletic communications, had done so much for the school in the past 20 years plus, their lives dedicated to improving both the university life and post-college life of the student-athletes that go through Manly Fieldhouse. And he touched people left and right, and he was always one of those friendly, smiling faces anytime you're around the Carrier Dome or Manly Fieldhouse, always willing to help always willing to have a word of encouragement and it's just numbing that someone could be gone so so early at age 45. It was just very shocking you know I woke up on Sunday morning and I think you were actually the person that told me that it had happened on um, Saturday night and it's just it's it's I I didn't have too many interactions with most of them were as a student but you know I, I'm gonna echo what you said it was just uh, he was always very professional he was always very friendly and very helpful and uh, everyone that I've spoken with in the Syracuse community uh, said such wonderful things about him. And again, it is a devastating loss uh, for, for Syracuse and uh, Syracuse athletics. Um, Absolutely. And uh, you know there's going to be a moment of silence, obviously, I'm sure, at the Dome on Saturday. And it's just really going to take a little bit uh, of time before you know, time does heal. And time, in this case, 
is going to be of the essence in terms of remembering Rob and then moving on as we have to. Well, there's no really good way to segue back into sports, so I'm just going to just jump right back into it. Uh, Brad, Syracuse uh, with a 54 nothing win over Wagner on Saturday, and a lot of, to take away from this game, and I think the first thing has to be the play of Terrell Hunt. Absolutely. He's opened eyes both in the Northwestern game and then against Wagner uh, this past week. You know, Wes, if this game was the first game, if Syracuse had opened up against Wagner and won 54 to nothing, and Drew Allen had started at quarterback and had the same first three possessions and he was ineffective, do you think the coaching staff would have kept him in before moving to Terrell Hunt? <laughs> so there's a lot of dynamics at play here because you, know, you, you didn't get a lot out of Wagner at a 54 nothing score other than seeing the great execution of somebody like Terrell Hunt and seeing the receiving core finally open up and get some plays downfield. But I really now wonder if you step up a little bit in competition against a Tulane, and then, of course, in two weeks against Clemson, you know, are we going to see the progression with Terrell Hunt as the games uh, you know, move on down the season? At the same time, Joe Allen has to be ready to play because he's just one play away if Terrell Hunt gets hurt. So I think it's equally important for Drew Allen to stay up and be positive because I think in this day and age of college football, got to have two guys ready to go. I was actually surprised at how poorly Allen played against that FCS defense, though. He just, you know, the, he had three possessions. He started the game, and he, they were 3-3 three, three now, so I guess one resulted in a field goal because the defense had recovered a fumble. But he was 3 of 6 for negative one yard, and I, it was, I just don't see him being able to get back in the picture, uh, barring some injury uh, to, to Hunt or some, some extreme ineffectiveness. But, you know, you and I kind of talked about this last week. Hunt's going to be here for a couple of years. Allen's kind of the Greg Paulus-type, one-and-done type mercenary. Even if Hunt can't struggles at first, I think he has a little bit of a longer leash than Allen does, don't you think? I do think so. I think in college football today, you really have to have a quarterback that has that other option of great feet, being able to run right. with the football. Right. Terrell Hunt's a much better runner than Drew Allen. I think the coaching staff made a quasi-promise to Allen over the summer, come on up to Syracuse, you'll get the shot, it's yours to lose, went with that attitude, even though maybe they might have seen a little bit more speed in the preseason from Terrell Hunt, gave Drew Allen his fair shot and now you have to go with the best player. But, again, Allen has to be ready. I mean, Hunt's going to take a lot of shots in ACC play. There was a video that Sean and I were talking about before, but it was up on Syracuse.com yesterday where they interviewed Drew Allen, and he appears visibly frustrated. And I know he's saying all the right things, but you can tell in his body language and his tone of voice, he's not happy with the situation. I think he, was, he thought he was going to be given a little bit longer of a leash, but is that fair? Do you think he should be the starter against Tulane, or do you think this was the right move? Because he was the leader in the NCAA in interceptions heading into game two, and he was just ineffective in the third game against Wagner. Is he right to be frustrated, or is he kind of living in a bubble right now? Well, I give him a little credit to be frustrated because he's a competitor. I think right. he thought he could come up to Syracuse, have a standout year, and have a shot to maybe you know make, uh, make an NFL roster as a third-team quarterback or a practice uh, squad quarterback. So I can understand the frustration, but no, you've got to win. You've got to win yeah. football games, and you've got to go with the players that are going to give you the best chance to win. I think all Syracuse fans would say Terrell Hunt right now gives you the best chance to win. Last non-conference game, Tulane, this weekend. Brad, what are you looking to take out of this game? We're expecting a win, but other than that, what are you going to be looking for? 
battle at the line of scrimmage, physical nature of Syracuse both on the O-line and the D-line. I think that's where this game is going to be won. Curtis Johnson, the two-lane coach, has talked all week about the physical nature of the Syracuse team. They've been hitting the weight room quite a bit, was his quote uh, to the New Orleans media this week. So I really think you're going to see a battle at the line of scrimmage. Syracuse is trying to establish the running game to open up then the passing game like they did last week. And I really want to see West. Clark, Esteem, Wales. I want to see those receivers catch balls. And also the big enigma to me, Wes, Ashton Broyle. Yes. Are we going to see him, you know, really all around the field, dazzling us? You know, I, he's, he's had a lot of receptions. Uh, you, you see him, but the numbers just don't add up to great production so far. I think I'm going to be looking at the defensive secondary because they got absolutely torched against Northwestern. They couldn't do anything. Northwestern imposed their will. I think the quarterback, both quarterbacks on the day only had five incomplete passes combined. And the defensive secondary got lucky a couple times against Wagner. I think they had the case of the dropsies much more than they should have. And granted, Wagner only ended up with five first downs and they did, they did their job. But I think you know, there's going to be a big difference between Wagner and Tulane, and Tulane is not going to drop all those passes. So I'm interested to see what the defensive secondary can put up against this Tulane team. They uh, do need to tighten up, no doubt. Brad, uh, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts? Well, my closing thoughts, I know you discussed it briefly with Sean, uh, the blue uniforms. I, I just, Nike, I know they have the right to control the uniforms because they pay Syracuse a lot of money, but let's get rid of the blue. <laughs> we're the orange. Let's see more orange, especially moving into the ACC. I know the players love it, but I just hate how Nike gets to meddle into tradition of teams' uniforms. We'd love to see that orange jersey come back again sometime soon. Uh, my closing thoughts are on Fab Mello. Earlier in the week, ESPN releasing its top 500 players in the NBA. Fab Mello coming in at 499. So it's rare for an NBA first-round pick to be out of the league after one year, but Mello's been traded, and now he's, he's been cut. Uh, he's got a preseason opportunity to catch on with the team, but there's a chance he may be one and done. I'm hoping he can turn it around, but it's actually not looking good for him uh, this far. So that's it for us. For Brad Bierman, this is Wes Chang reminding you that I'm not impressed easily. Wow, a blue car. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.